0: Welcome to Changes in Latitudes, a Transgender Experience. A 40-something gender queer person shares their observations, life stories, and the adventures of their journey through transition and beyond. And now, here's your host, the creator of it all, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode. Let's listen to that band, get it up, get us moving, get it blood flowing, let's go. Nah. Get it up, get it up, keep it going, keep it going. That's Dara and the Mascaras. Yeah, fantastic. That's our guest band this week. Thank you so much for being here. You know, I love it as always. And uh, the band name, well, uh, that's directly related to our guest this episode, Dara Hoffman Fox. So if you haven't guessed it by the title, A Conversation with Gender Therapist Dara Hoffman Fox, you now know exactly what it's all about. But before we get into the main event, let's talk a little bit about last week's episode. Uh, last week's. Giving thanks, year one. Um, well, it's all about Thanksgiving, and I realized I missed it last year, so I figured, I ah, will do it this year and make it an annual thing, you know, stuff I'm thankful for for the previous year and all that. And after putting it all together and editing it all together, I realized I didn't specifically mention my wife. I mean, I did in the sense of family. I talked about family, but I didn't specifically mention my wife, and it was by no means meant to be <laughs> eliminated or forgot. At all, it just kind of got looped into uh, the the bigger picture of things uh, in that sense, uh, family. And so I'm going to take a moment here and say, yes, I am forever grateful and thankful to have uh, Rebecca in my life and not just in my life, but as my wife, as my spouse, as my partner. I've mentioned many times before on the show, without her, I wouldn't be the person I am today. So I realized that I forgot to say it last episode, so I'm saying it now. Uh, You can find last week's episode, well, and all past episodes over at Changes in Latitudes podcast at blogspot.com. We've got an Amazon affiliate link, so do your uh, holiday shopping there or do your everyday shopping, really. If you shop through Amazon, go to our Blogspot page, click on the link. It'll open up a new Amazon page, and you shop to your heart's content as you normally would, and we get a little bit of kickback. And when I say a little bit, I mean like pennies on the dollar. <laughs> so help us out by shopping through Amazon. Of course, we have a PayPal donate button, and if you want to you know, leave us a little donation or maybe a tip or something, go for it that way. We also have uh, a link for our Patreon page, patreon.com slash podcast. We've also got iTunes and Stitcher links there. You're probably listening to us through those right now. If you are, take a moment, give us a a ratings and review, depending on whichever platform you're using, and I'd really appreciate it. And it helps the show grow, and that's a big, big thing around here is helping the show grow. And the reason it helps out by giving us uh, reviews and ratings on, you know, either Stitcher or iTunes is because they're behind-the-scenes algorithms. (laughs) That's what really helps the show expand and, and be seen by new audiences. So take a moment. And help us out over there. You can also check out the Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Changes in Latitudes Podcast. Uh, the email, changes in latitudes podcast at gmail.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sabrina Miller41. And uh, while I'm on it, let's talk a little bit about the Patreon page. It's a great way to help out the show on an ongoing basis for as little as one dollar a month. So check out the rewards that I have going on over there. Check out patreon.com slash changes in latitudes podcast. This particular episode, episode number sixty-three, is brought to us by patron Candace T. Candace has been a uh, full fledged uh, outgoing supporter since, well, since the beginning of the show. <laughs> so, uh, I was one of the first patrons on board over at Patreon. And so, I'm sending it out, sending out the love to you, Candace. Thank you so much for all your wonderful, wonderful support. And not just the support through Patreon, but the the feedback and the the little messages that we exchange every once in a while you know checking in on each other and touching base and all those other wonderful things thank you so much for all that you do Now, normally we would also have other things going on in the show besides, you know, a conversation with a gender therapist. Uh, We're going to skip all that this episode. We're not going to have any good advice from a famous woman. We're not going to have any secondary topic. We're not going to have any listener feedback. We're going to save those for another episode so we can get into the brunt of this particular show. And on that note, let's move into it. The main event. The main topic. Ah, here we are, the main topic, a conversation with gender therapist Dara Hoffman Fox. Now, you might recognize the name, but you're probably really going to recognize her Facebook page, and that's the Conversations with a Gender Therapist Facebook page. So if you've seen that floating around out there, I, I know I've reblogged her page a few times, and I know other listeners have uh, reblogged my reblogging of her stuff, and then other people have just reblogged her stuff directly. So you probably know exactly who I'm talking about. Uh, and she recently just started a, a vlog, a video log over on her YouTube page. You can find all information out about her at her website, Dara Hoffman Fox, D A R A. H-O-F-F-M-A-N-F-O-X dot com. And let me just uh, read a little brief bio of hers. Dara Hoffman Fox, LPC, is a gender therapist, writer, educator, and presenter with a growing cyber presence. In addition to having a private practice that specializes in counseling transgender and gender nonconforming clients, Dara also provides educational resources through her blog, DaraHoffmanFox.com. Her YouTube channel... Social media networks, trainings, and presentations, and most recently, a guidebook series entitled You and Your Gender Identity A Guide to Discovery. Dara's vision is to support and inspire those who are transgender and gender nonconforming, and to enlighten those who are not. She also has plans in the works to expand her outreach to current and future mental health professionals who wish to work with these individuals and their families. Dara loves her wife and kids, her donkey Merlin, and her Apple products. She enjoys studying Carl Jung, and I'm sure I butchered that name, uh, uh, astrology and meditation, and listening to podcasts and the Indigo Girls. She can't live without coffee and the houses that serve it, gluten-free bread, and Zumba. That was a little bio she put together for me to to read on the show. Thank you so much, Dara. I really appreciate that. Uh, now, this, uh, this first part of our conversation, I'm going to play for you this episode. Obviously, part two will be next week because that's just how things work out around here. Uh, we recorded this on the 18th of October, so we're a little bit late in the production of this particular episode, but... I had my other conversation with Phaedra D. I had Thanksgiving. I had the Day of Remembrance. And so this is where her episode just fits in. Uh, I had such a lovely, lovely time. She, she's such a wonderful person. And that's just from our brief Skype conversation that I got all this from, aside from what is available on her website and her Facebook page. And it was refreshing, is the word that comes to my mind, in that that's how I felt throughout the entire conversation and when I walked away for the next couple hours after that. It was just, just it was so wonderful. And I hope that translates across the audio waves to you, the listener, as well. And she has a very, very unique story of self-discovery and and, and, and a huge desire to help others discover themselves. She is just a remarkable, remarkable person. So... Without any further delay, we're going to jump right in to part one of my conversation with a gender therapist, Dara Hoffman Fox. I do want to start off with, again, formally thanking you uh, for agreeing to be on the show and recording on a Sunday. Because that's usually a a day for families. So this is awesome that it was on the Sunday. Uh,
1: You know what? I feel like every day, I love what I do so much. So I have hardly ever think of it as work days and not work days. I just somehow, I'm so fortunate that I usually can just blend both personal and work in every day.
0: That's awesome. That's so awesome. I'm almost envious that, that it's, you know, days of the week, quote unquote, don't matter. That you can do it anytime. That's that's great because my wife works uh, Monday through Friday, so the weekends are you know family time. Uh So yeah, so and that seems to be pretty typical. But what I wanted to get into first was basically your youth and childhood and and coming to terms with yourself as who you are and your desires, your needs, and kind of what led you into into being a therapist. But that, that youth, that, that, that starting point where we all start to question, what am I?
1: <clears throat> that's, a, that's funny. I was thinking about that this morning. Um, when I was probably a young teenager, there's two magazines that were my favorite magazines. And one of them was uh, Psychology Today. So this would be probably, we're looking at maybe late, mid to late 80s. Um, so I read psychology today. And the reason I even had that showing up at my house is because my mom, um, loved psychology. In fact, she went and got her graduate degree in psychology while I was in high school. Wow. And, and um, my other favorite magazine was called premier magazine. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's, it was very, um, it talked a lot about the ins and outs of filmmaking. Okay. And, yeah.
0: I, I have heard of that. Yeah. yeah. I'm from oh, Los I Angeles. Yeah. I'm from Los Angeles. So that was all around. Yeah.
1: Um, so that, it, it that, kind of demonstrates the two different sides of me in which where my interests were divided up in between, um, like I said, even at a young age, being interested in psychology and the mind and self-help. And then I also really was interested in film. Um, Specifically, I even thought I either wanted to be a camera person or script writer. Um, I already was Practicing my academy award speeches uh-huh. and things like that, yeah, yeah so when I started um, college, i actually this I started at eighteen, um, and I ended up going into communication first, you know it was sort of this like toss up which one should I try, and I really, really wanted to somehow make my way into the film industry or entertainment industry. Um, I also was thinking I could be a broadcast journalist. I think I just wanted to be, um, I I guess for lack of a better word, just wanted to be kind of famous in a certain way. And I think there were certain – certain emotional gaps that I had in my life that sort of was feeding that in terms of wanting to be seen as special and unique and who I was. And so um, going into college, I started that, and this was at the University of Kentucky. And the reason I ended up there is that I was an Army brat, and that was the last um, Army post that I ended up in was Fort Campbell, Kentucky.
0: Well, being in San Diego, there's a lot of uh, Navy brats Oh, sure. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> and
1: so you can – Yeah, and I was torn between – it seems like I'm always torn, now that I think of it, between two things. I was going to go to Penn State because I was originally from Pennsylvania. My dad still lived there. So I was going to go to Penn State or University of Kentucky, and I actually liked the smaller feel of UK. It was um, more like 25,000 instead of 50,000 students. Wow. And so um, – At UK, I did right away jump into working at the college radio station, Um, and I I just dabbled and was a DJ, and I ended up working at the public radio station there, and I did all the classes you're supposed to take, and I really um, enjoyed it, but then I had some sort of an identity crisis my, I think it was my sophomore year, and then I decided I was going to switch to psychology, of course, and so then I switched to psychology- And the first class I take has to do with, like, here, now you must watch the rats run through the maze and write a 30-page paper about it. And so that was one thing. I was like, well, this is not at all what I thought it was. I I mean, you know, being young and not having a very good advisor at the time, I just was like, this is not for me. And then we had a speaker that came in and said, don't even bother with this program if you don't plan on getting your master's and then your doctorate right afterwards. So that – for some reason I was meant to be dissuaded at that point from pursuing that. And so I went back to communication and I ended up having an internship at a, a KYW TV in Philadelphia to see if I should be a reporter. It turns out that was definitely not my career. Um, my boss called me, Dara, I'm a stickler for details, Hoffman, because I hated interviewing people and asking like, Questions, which you're supposed to do as a reporter. I felt so nosy. I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't want to intrude. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I can relate with with my podcast. I can totally relate.
1: Mm. Yeah, I bet. Um, And so, I but I loved the video editing side of it, and I even like transcribing things. And so, wow, all of that sort of went by the wayside um, because at the end, towards the end of college, I got engaged, and um, at the time, uh, this person, he ended up becoming um, the father of my child, um, which is more positive than to say now ex-husband, but yes, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> he was Air Force ROTC, and so we oh. ended up um, moving to Colorado, which is where I live right now, so this, now we're kind of looking at the mid-90s is when I just became an Air Force wife, which is really weird when I just said that out loud. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can believe it. I was an Air Force wife and spent, um, a few years working either in retail, um, I ended up working at a uh, T. Rowe price investment company, um, and did that until I ended up having my daughter. And then I worked from the home for, uh, my dad actually has a publishing company that oh. I still work for and I worked for him. Um, it wasn't until my, until I came out, um, as gay when I was 30, and got divorced that I started graduate school to, And I pretty much was like, "Whoa, I got to figure something out here. And my dad actually is the one who said, well, you're pretty good at uh, helping people. Maybe you should be a counselor. And sort Mm. of something sparked in the back of my head, remembering the psychology today interest and my mom's interest in psychology. And I decided to see if that was maybe the right uh, path to start. And so this was around uh, 2004 uh, that I did that. And so before you knew it, I, was in grad school, and for you know it, I had graduated. And um, today, I have my own private practice as a as a therapist.
0: That's that's wonderful. I, I, and uh, the therapist part, uh, or private practice part, is on your website. Uh, at least that's what I saw there. Uh, that's wow. So so you didn't really start, we'll say, questioning your your uh, orientation or identity till really much later in life.
1: Well. There's the whole, you know, the germination process. And, uh, I, I can absolutely recall being probably as young as seven years old when I first started having crushes on girls. And my first huge crush was on Michelle Pfeiffer in Greece too. Okay. And yes. Yes. So I was okay. About, yep. Do you remember? <laughs> I do
0: remember. I do remember. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Oh, cool writer. I still. Yeah. Yeah. So I was. Uh, and she
0: still looks great.
1: I know, and she's still being sung about in songs and referred to as being hot. And that's so true. I was—I was eight. I've heard from a lot of other lesbians that who are my age who are like, "Oh my gosh, that's me too!" Like <laughs> her black leather outfit and the motorcycle. And, yep. But that oh, was yeah. it. I remember when I was eight. That was um, very strong. But at the time, I was—you know—this was the '80s. I was living in this in the, in the army post and. Uh, predominantly in the South. I lived in Texas, Alabama, and Kentucky. Mm. So there was that feeling, which I know a lot of people who are listening can relate to, of you just know. You know something's up. It's sort of in that sort of part of your mind where you just keep telling it like, I don't know what you are, but I'm just going to kind of go about my life like usual and just trying to not... I didn't have to like angrily force it away, but it just nagged at me. And I can remember all through, um, childhood it being very, um, kind of plagued by it, but just sort of hoping it would go away. Uh, my, yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. The, the hoping it'll go away. I can totally relate to, cause I had that with my, well, I refer to it as my cross dressing in high school. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. geez. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. So it's, it has that, um, it's really unique. I think those of us who have experienced it and w- whether it has to do with, gender, sexual orientation, or both, it is sort of hard to explain to others who haven't felt it. Like, how could you not know? And it's like, oh, it's pretty easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um,
0: yes, it, it's pretty easy not to know.
1: The unconscious, like, it'll it'll do what it needs to do. Um, I had a huge crush on my eighth grade English teacher, um, and I called that the experience that scared me straight because... <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. It's funny. It's I didn't funny. know what
1: was going on. And I have long, long journal entries of writing about her wondering what she was doing. She was pretty young. She was only in, her, like, not even her mid-20s. And I just, she looked a little bit like Michelle Pfeiffer now that I think about it. <laughs> ah, well, there um, you go. And I just uh, kind of a, a couple of times um, actually made a pretty decent fool of myself with her. And so that experience... Um, slightly, it slightly mortified me. And so I remember after eighth grade and probably until I got to college, um, I don't remember necessarily having any girl crushes. Like I was pretty serious about, I was like, here's all the boys I like, Tom Cruise and Harrison Ford and Dennis Quaid and Bruce Willis. Like those are all the guys I like. And, um, (laughs) I guess I like almost hyper-masculinized in terms of my sexual attraction, um, because that was so, um. It was, it just was such a, a train wreck emotionally for me. And so at the same time, it's only now that I can look back and see that my gender, um, my gender expression, my gender identity for me, I know this isn't for everyone, but it, it was actually very much tied in with my sexual orientation um, because of the whole, I guess I would call it repressing um, somewhat of masculine energy and. That correlated both with my gender expression and with my sexual orientation.
0: Okay, wow. So the, everything everything just kind of played together on that. Mm-hmm. One thing fed to another. I, I, I can I can personally relate because it wasn't until I. Uh, got to the point of fully cross-dressing and I, in my show in the past, I've talked about, uh, one of the girls I was dating that came over and did makeup and wig and brought clothes and everything. So it was the first opportunity I saw myself as a woman. And it was at that point that the more I did the, the full getup, I'll say, that my questioning of of any sort of, of of attraction to to the masculine side of people uh, started to emerge. I, I mean, I I'm I haven't. Done anything? Haven't explored anything, but it was there, and I, it, it, that little that little itch in the back of your mind starts to starts to bug you, and you're like, "Wait, I'm. Why is this happening now? But only when I'm expressing my feminine side for me, so I can understand that uh, the clothes make the person. In that sense, when you're when you're starting to to express that side of yourself, it opens up these floodgates of all these other feelings and emotions and thoughts. And for me, it was very confusing.
1: That's, um, I mean, that really hits the nail on the head. It's just to jump ahead a little bit. It wasn't even until a few months ago and I'm, um, uh, 41 right now that I started, something got my mind ticking and I started thinking, I wonder if I had come out when I was a teenager, what, what would have been different? Not like in a huge regretful kind of way, cause what is, what is, but you know, what would I have been like as a teenager and, um, it really came to me right away that I, the phrase that came to mind, well, it took me a little while to find it was um, I would have been a soft, butch lesbian as a teenager <laughs> and realizing that when uh, that was right before I turned 41. So I was turned, you know, I was 40 and, but thinking then, you know what, like if that's, and it just, it was that feeling when I thought about it and kind of imagined it, it was a big aha moment for me where something about that, brought together my sexual orientation, my gender, and it made so much sense. And I realized, you know what, it doesn't matter. I'm 40. I can go ahead and start expressing this now, even though this may be what I – would have done as a teenager, um, okay, so it took a little bit longer to figure out than some other people.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the same thing with me in the sense of this this urge that, uh, well, I, I don't want to say to be transgender or be transsexual, but the the desire, the urge to express myself in a feminine way, in a feminine manner, had always been there. And in the mid 2000s, I, you know, I dabbled and and started to express myself and I've I've explained the story in past episodes. And finally I was, you know, out into the world with, with the woman I was seeing at the time. And I had reached a point where I I was like, you know, I think transition is probably the path I need to choose. The unfortunate thing for me at the time, and this was, I don't know, 2003, 2004, maybe 2005, uh, there was no information out there. There was nothing, the, the internet was still growing. The stuff that you would find would be, uh, we'll say, along the fetish side, the adult entertainment side of things. And that's not answers, that's entertainment. And, you know, not necessarily the greatest entertainment. Uh, I mean, it, it serves its purpose for what it is. And a lot of people, I think, get that confused. But mm-hmm. we're not even going to talk about that. <laughs> um, and so, so trying to find answers and then trying to fit into the world, because there, there, I mean, our LGBT center here did have a teeny tiny, teeny tiny trans outlet, but it was mostly F to M. There was hardly any M to F information. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It was strange. And in hindsight, now that I'm volunteering at our center here in San Diego, uh, one of the persons, one of the people, and I got to get him on the show here. Eventually he started the, the, the trans part of the uh, center here and started bringing in the resources and the contacts for therapy and, and doctors and, and information and uh, 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 discussion groups and, and all of that. And well, he's an F to M. So it may make sense that that was the focus uh, because according to him, everywhere else, there was a lot of M to F stuff, but there was hardly any F to M stuff. So I, I sure. can see that in hindsight but as a person, you know, trying to come to terms with themselves, trying to figure out, trying to find answers, uh, uh, it, what I was really searching for was somebody that, like myself, that I could talk to, to essentially verify my thoughts. You know, am I am I wrong in my thinking? Is this correct in my thinking? And, you know, my... Uh, thoughts of transition, is is that the right with the way to think about it? And this is back when there was gatekeepers and you had to live full-time before you could even start on hormones. You had to live full-time for a year before you could start HRT uh, and then live another one or two years before any surgeries could happen, any, yeah. any surgeries, whether you could visually see the changes or not. So so it was a point of time where I was like, I, I well, one, I'm not strong enough. Uh, I, I just wasn't. And so and then uh, trying to find work, you know, trying to be yourself authentically and then trying to find work that would support that even here in San Diego back then. A lot of the, because uh, we have a, I don't want to say a district, but we have a part of town called Hillcrest, and it's the gayberhood, as it's commonly referred to. <laughs> and it, it's the area of town where pride happens. It's the area of town where all the restaurants basically have buckets of condoms outside their bathrooms. <laughs> um, yeah, promote safe sex. Gotta have that. Absolutely. Uh, and the rainbows everywhere in all the shops. And it's just what, that area where you can totally feel free to be who you are, whether you are. L, G, B, or T, or something else. It's just one of those welcome-all neighborhoods. And even there, there was not a lot of, uh, I don't want to say support, but, um, well, it's still the same type of struggle we still have. The LGB is still wondering about the T. It just seems like like, I don't want to say they're against it, but they just don't seem to understand it. And for me, the only thing I can think of is the LGB is basically orientation, where the T is expression and identity. And I think that's where the disconnect happens.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, I have noticed, um, I've noticed that a lot as well. And I feel, I've been asked a few times, um, which I'm more than happy to do, by some people around the world even to say, hey, you know, I, I see how much you're doing for the transgender community. The, I've um, tried to make it known as often as I can actually that I'm a huge supporter of the trans community and also I'm a lesbian because not to labels, labels everywhere, but just to be able to continue to show that kind of support, uh, which also reminds me that you know, I say I'm a supporter of the trans community um, Like we were talking about, I myself feel like I am a part of the trans community um, in the sense of feeling non-binary, but that still is a new sort of place for me to be in. It wasn't until last summer that I went to a conference in Philadelphia. It was the Philly Trans health conference, and there was a workshop, and it had to do um, pretty much with non-binary identities. And so I went in there as, you know, as a gender therapist. I'm here to learn. And they started going around and said, you know, introduce yourself, and also let us know if you're trans or you're cis, uh, or if you're cisgendered, and. For some reason, it was, again, you know, these moments in life where you're like, that was it. Like, that moment, I just freaked out. I felt panicked because I imagined it coming to me and me saying out loud that I was cisgender and feeling like that wasn't true. And then also feeling that if I was to say I was trans, that that wouldn't be true either. So I basically waited. It was a, a very filled room of people. When it came to me, I decided to just go with honesty and share that struggle that I was having and saying, you know, I work as a gender therapist and I do these things online, but, um, I've been wondering myself, you know, in terms of when I say the word cisgender, I do not feel connected to that, but I also don't want people to think, Oh, that gender therapist just wants to try to fit in and say she's trans. Um, so the reception was great. I mean, people were really, um, sort of comforting and saying like, that's awesome, you know, thanks for sharing. So I was able to be supported in this space that I had no idea this was even going to happen. Um, And that really meant a lot to me to be able to even just the moment I realized it myself and then sharing it publicly within a few minutes and then being supported right away in that sense. And so knowing that non-binary, kind of like you were saying, transgender, finding things on the internet has only been within the last few years that's really taken off and so now you know things about non-binary gender fluid um and all those different words that describe that feeling now that's sort of starting to trickle in a little bit more yes um, yes absolutely yeah, but not as but it still has a lot of uh, a lot of ground to make up just like transgender still there's still plenty of room oh yes. for more exploration with that oh, too
0: absolutely absolutely And now a brief word from our sponsor, TomSlayton.com. When you need a professional who specializes in writing, photography, or web design, contact Tom Slayton. At Tom's website, TomSlayton.com, you'll find brilliant WordPress themes, discounts and links for fantastic online services, and sage wisdom from the master himself, Tom Slayton. TomSlayton.com even features a wonderful eclectic collection of photographs seldom seen elsewhere. Visit com. That's T-O-M-S-L-A-T-I-N.com. Uh, thank you, Tom. Thank you so much. Yes, uh, like I usually do. I just pull up com and start clicking around, and I found a, a, a really cool-looking black-and-white picture of, well, it looks like a 60s, 70s-style, fashioned winded up alarm clock, you know, something I haven't seen in well, probably half my life. I don't even know if they sell these things anymore. But it's it, he's... His composition of this particular image uh, caught my eye. That's the best way I can say it. Uh, He titles it, What the Clock is to Time. So if you want to take a look at it, it's TomSlayton.com forward slash what the clock is to time. Like I said, it's an an old-fashioned looking clock. It's got a a literal second-hand area. Uh, you you got to look at it to really understand what I'm talking about. I mean, it's an old old alarm clock, uh, analog alarm clock, the type that you'd wind up. It doesn't have the bells on top. Like you see as a cliche, but it's, it's just a great picture. And like I've said so many times before, if you're just cruising along and you need a little, I don't know, a rest stop for yourself while you're out there on the web or you're just looking for a jumping off point to start looking for other things check out tomslayton.com because he not doesn't only have these pictures here as the commercial says he's got web designs he's got quotes he's got ideas for you to start blogging and journaling and and if you reach out to him he's there he'll respond Uh, he's got twitter he's got facebook he's he's all over social media so check out tomslayton.com not only do you help out tom slayton but you also help out my show as well the show that you're listening to right now and now let's get back to the conversation with dara hoffman fox
1: Transgender, still, there's still plenty of room oh, yes. for more exploration with that, too.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, because so many people are, are just starting to look deep within themselves. And I think more people, I mean, we'll call them cisgendered, but more people are starting to realize that they have a masculine side and a feminine side, whatever it is. Even if it's the guy that likes, quote-unquote, chick flicks. <laughs> you know and likes to sit there w- w- you know with their girlfriend or spouse or whoever and enjoy a good cry after a, after that sort of you know journey of a movie like that but then they're going to turn around and go you know build a brick wall in the backyard you know, mm-hmm. mar- yeah. macho man. <laughs> you know, or or in certain parts of the country, go hunting or fishing or something like that. A, a very macho, masculine, uh, uh, well, typical. Not saying that it's it is, but it's that it's that connotation that goes with it. You know, when you say a hunter, you, you typically think of the butch guy with the with the garb on. You know, tracking down a deer, uh, and so. I think people are realizing that they, that we all have that duality within us. It's just how much do we choose to, well, share with ourselves and share with others. And I think the more that society, both trans, cis, and, and everywhere in between, starts to look deep within themselves and realize that, one, we're all human and we all bleed red, and that we all have that, that, that uh, spectrum of gray or that spectrum of a rainbow colors all within ourselves I think more acceptance in general is going to come forward and we got a long way to go as you said it's still fledgling right now but in the 10 years it took me to start hey you know I think I might be transgender to coming out as yes I am and then the additional year to come out as gender queer gender fluid I think in another 10 or so years uh, that that so many more people are going to start embracing this about themselves because that's what I've seen to have have covered or not covered uh crossed when i've explained my story in person to people people who are just oh hi nice to meet you so i hear you're trans or whatever they say and yes yes and huh so uh how is that what is that and you start you know just general friendly conversation and i can kind of see the wheels starting to turn within themselves they'll never say anything but the wheels start to turn behind the eyes and they're starting to go yeah you know what I can see aspects of that within myself, and this is these are people who are declared cisgendered heterosexual, got families, no desire to explore any of the uh, uh, any of the alphabet <laughs> uh, the, the LGbt, and they just start getting that understanding of of themselves and, and in my case me as i 'm telling the story. And it immediately turns to support. It's like, wow, that's great. Good for you. I'm so happy that you're living authentically or found yourself or comfortable with yourself. Or, I mean, it's all within those that, that sort of realm of, of, of acceptance.
1: I agree that pretty much anybody um, could stand to take a closer look at their blend. Um, and I like to call it too masculine and feminine energy. So that way they can kind of even separate it from gender for a while at first. Before that's a good they way to re- put it. Yeah, instead of, like, look at it separate and then reincorporate it into your gender identity. Um, And I think one of the best examples of this that I feel really encouraged by is how many um, kids, you know, and you see them, like, on YouTube and there's Facebook posts who have parents who are embracing of their child. Like, especially now it would be somebody who um, is a boy. And let's say – This child is not expressing that they feel they are a girl, but this is a boy who wants to wear, who wants to dress up as Elsa for Halloween. And parents like, all right, sounds awesome. Let's go get you, let's go get your outfit. You know, to know there's so many parents now who are just letting, especially, you know, the boys be able to just express their feminine side, however much they want. I mean, I just see this you know, move into the future of all these adults who are going to feel so much more comfortable in their blend of masculine and feminine energy. Absolutely. And then then being able to see how that then affects the, the way we all generation. interact with each other. Oh, yeah. Like yes. It's, you can see that the tide is turning, especially with the help of the internet, so yes. quickly.
0: Oh, yes. Well, I remember as a child, any time... A a, uh, girl dressed up in any sort of masculine costume for Halloween or just masculine attire, it was okay. You know, oh, okay, she's going to wear jeans today and and a, you know, comfortable shirt or, oh, look, she's dressed up as Indiana Jones. You know, and and I I don't mean I hate the whole sexy versions of these costumes. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about, no, she looks like a little Indiana Jones or a (laughs) little Batman or something. And and specifically with like Superman, because there is Supergirl, Superwoman. But no, no, I'm Superman, he says the little girl. Nobody questioned it. Okay, fine. But the moment a boy chose to express any sort of feminine costume, whether it's to look like any of, like I just mentioned, superheroes or things like that, or just, you know, just a, a woman, you know, a dress and, and a wig and whatever, everybody starts picking on them. Oh, look, uh, whatever. It, I mean, so... I heard it so many times. I never dressed up as a woman for Halloween, but there was people around, and I just remember being at a couple different parties and a couple, you know, youthful haunted houses, you know, not the big scary haunted houses, and uh, any time that a guy was expressing any sort of femininity, totally picked on, totally ridiculed about sexual orientation, even though that wasn't really the word at the time, uh, any sort of... of, of, of uh, Well, the loss of any masculine traits or identity at the time that that had. And I remember just thinking, that's not balanced. That's not right. But now, here we are 2015, 30-something years later, and as you pointed out, boys are being okay to dress as Ilsa or, or any other sort of feminine character that's out there. And the parents are like, yeah, sure, let's do it. I love that because if I had that, <laughs> would have saved me probably ten to fifteen years of just internal questioning without even speaking it.
1: Yeah, there's still a definite um, shaming of the feminine in our culture. Shaming—that's be... the word. Uh-huh. Thank you. Yeah, and there could—and that could be you know a cis, you know non transgender woman who's. Feminine. It could be an effeminate man who could be gay or not gay or anything or, you know, the boys. And it's, uh, that's, there's still a lot, a long way to go with that. And yes, so there is. That's going to, that, that parallels, it's like a separate conversation, but it directly correlates to everything else we're talking about.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Everything plays together on that. It's, it's amazing how things like that, uh, stimulate and, and, and propel, well, both the negative and the positive. And it it seems recently that it's kind of crushing the negative. No, no, it's okay if this boy wants to express as a as a as a woman or dress as for Halloween or whatever the case may be, or the fact that they want to you know maybe wear a, a girl style top, you know, a shirt, t shirt or something, you know, with the way the, the way the sleeves are cut differently on on women's t shirts and men's t shirts, you know, and the collar sort of thing. This is what that child, that, that, you know, boy wants to wear. Fine. Let him wear it. It's not it's not hurting anybody. It's not a profound or, or vulgar sort of uh, 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 print on the T-shirt. It's just a T-shirt. Let him wear it. The color might be a little, you know, more feminine, pink or uh, a teal blue or something. But who cares? That's a color. Whatever. You, know, you get a box of crayons. You've got how many? 188 colors in the big box. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. We can all use them.
1: Yeah, I've noticed um, with the clients that I work with, uh, it's really empowering for them to be able to know that there isn't then just one box that they've went to into another box. And sometimes they almost have to put themselves in that other box by mistake and then sort of take a step back. Um, like you were saying before, you know, one client I'm thinking of who <clears throat> she um, transitioned uh in, in her uh, in her words, from male to female, and she loves hunting, loves guns, loves. Um, she calls herself a redneck, pretty much, and she <laughs> sort of ditched all of that for a while, and found herself trying to act really unlike herself. Um, she was feeling almost even worse than before because she thought she was going to feel so much better. So within really only a couple of sessions, she was just like, wait a second. Oh, I can still be me. And it reminds me of the episode where you were talking about that, about yourself, where you're like, wait, there's parts of me I accidentally just threw away during this process. And I'm going to bring those back into who I am now exactly. and then, be able to create a new blend of who exactly
0: you are. yes, exactly. I think a lot of uh, trans people when they first start their transition, uh, in 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 the expression sort of way, not necessarily a medical transition, go a little too far in one direction. And I think for me, it was at least a little bit of overcompensation because in my in my story, you know, later in life, missed out so much, so you go a little too far. And it wasn't until the the, uh, the joy, the happiness that, you know, starting to express my feminine side brought to me semi-dwindled. And it's like, wait, what's, what's missing here? What is wrong? And, and, and I, I think I explained it. It was in the editing process of one of my episodes in hearing my voice. And I realized... I am missing out on so much expression because I was, as you said, putting myself into a box. That you know, oh, I thought that I need to be this way, and it wasn't until uh, I kind of started looking into gender queer, gender fluid. Um, and one of my previous guests, the the hosts from Transpantastic, uh, they talked about gender fluid, gender queer on their episode.
1: Yeah, I heard that. That was so oh, awesome the way they described that.
0: I love those two. They are. Wonderful, wonderful people. Their podcast shows it, the conversation that you hear, you, the audience here, plus the stuff that was kept out of their episode just because, you know, that's what happens when you record. They are such wonderful people. I I feel blessed to not only have found their podcast, but to have been able to have a conversation with them and on occasion, not so frequently, an occasional um, Facebook message conversation once in a while. They're lovely people, so honored Mm -hmm. to to have uh, crossed paths with them. And it was in that that I went, you know, There is absolutely nothing wrong with being a blend, whatever that blend means to the individual. And I'm still embracing it because it's only been four or five months now that I've come to terms with it, and I am so... So much more content with myself, knowing that uh, you know sometimes I could be you know very masculine and I'm going to be this way, ha ha, and then other times when it, you know I I'd get dressed up and I go out on a on I don't want to say a date, but I go out and hang out with friends and just have a fantastic time and and interacting with the society and as I said in the uh, the gayborhood here in in San Diego, and just being fully accepted as the woman that I'm expressing at that moment in time, and then I can go back the very next day as a guy, whether it's be a little more effeminate because my brows are trimmed and I've got longer hair, blah, blah, blah. Um, and still be accepted as and interacted with as a guy. It's I, to me, that's, that's just, I don't want to say perfect, but so comforting. So comforting. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And it takes that, um, exploration phase, I think to really, uh, figure that out. And there are many exploration phases within a person's life and it's, uh, surprises me, you know, personally even, to know like, oh, wow, I thought I had it all figured out. Now there's more to look at. Um, like I said, last summer, it, which would have been June 2014, is when I first had that um, that recognition during that non-binary workshop that this might actually be something I can connect with. And it was from there that I didn't necessarily make any changes outwardly. I think the the only thing I did at that conference was instead of having my pronouns as she and her, I crossed it off and I think I put um whatever or something like that. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, yeah.
1: which now at this point it just you know, I think sometime shortly after that is when Facebook then said, Hey, uh you can pick your gender identity. And here's like 70 different ones to choose from. And I was like, Oh my God, this is perfect. I remember and that. I, and I started looking at all of those. And I know I've probably changed it at least five times since then, because I still have not quite figured out. I think it's on non-binary right now, which I'm fine with. Um, I changed my pronoun for a little while to they, And I've noticed like when it comes up and it says like Dara changed their picture, I noticed. So I've, have been still trying to feel that out. I know if it said Dara Changed his picture. That would to me be last place. I'm like that doesn't feel right at all. When I see and it says they changed her picture, there's a little eh, like there's just something about that that I I notice it. Like there it doesn't flow. But then right. also when it says they um, again, is it because it's the word they? Would it be better if it was zir or, or zim? I don't know. But I still. I haven't quite figured out what I want it to say yet. So I'm still, I'm still floating around, but I'm getting better at being able to feel out, um, and recognize when something happens. And I'm like, Oh, I just had that moment where it's like a record just is playing it goes, you know, it (laughs) it could be a quiet little skip or it could be a pretty big one. Um, because last year, um, I I just started doing little things at a time that to me felt like I just feel like doing this. I didn't label it as male, female, masculine, feminine. Um, Like I got a big, like a a big tattoo on my right forearm. Um, I changed, I have a nose ring. And instead of having like this small, like little diamond looking thing, I got more of a ring looking one. Um, And my wife, she was like, wow, like she, she started noticing some of the changes. She's like, like, she's like, that's pretty bold. I was like, I know, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing, but it just feels like the next step. Um, and then it was, like, not till several months later that I started thinking more about maybe um, changing some of the clothes I wore. And I have an amazing hairdresser who I've been working with for a while. And she finally so – she could tell I was leaning towards maybe getting a shorter haircut. And she reassured me, like, you know, I, I'm going to make sure it still looks like you. And she was right. And I think that was that was this past May. That was a big catalyst for me to finally feel like – I'm really starting to feel it more and everything else just starts kind of falling into place about what I wear. It's really just not male or female. It's just this, does this, do I like when I look in the mirror, how this look, do I like how, do I like how it feels on me? Um, So that's all I can really say is that I like what you said once about how I'm both and neither uh, male and female. I I like that feeling of both and neither. And I know there's words to describe that maybe um, a gender. I don't know if you know, Offhand, I, but
0: I've heard the term agender, but as far as a definition, I, I, it's not something I've really looked into.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I feg- I figure it's okay it, to me it I seems like the absence
0: use... of a gender, very very neutral, very well p- Pat from SNL.
1: Mm-hmm. It's strange because I at the same time I really like the feeling of masculine and feminine energy. Like, so I don't know. It's, I like the way you where... put that.
0: That's that's a great way to put it.
1: It's like a yin-yang, you know, you can even take out the words masculine and feminine if you want, just so you can look at it as yin and yang. Um, So then it doesn't have any gender associated with it. And so um, I do, I guess, more in a creative way. I like to play around with my balance of masculine and feminine energy. I'm pretty, I've noticed I'm pretty consistent, so I don't necessarily feel gender fluid, but I feel masculine and feminine energy fluid. So it's, I know it's okay that I have like, it takes me like 30 words to describe how I feel about my, <laughs> my gender instead of just one or two. Um, but, uh, I continue to continue t- uh, to look at that and explore that to see if there is something I like, I shouldn't say I like labels. I'd like to be able to put names to things because that's really, um, a part of my personality. Like there's a personality test I really like called the Enneagram and I give it to a lot of my clients and my type is type four which is the individualist and then so I really do um, when it comes to my sense of identity it's really important to who I am and gives me a lot of meaning so therefore I do like to find the words that makes sense to me and that connect with me. And I know not everybody's like that, but I know that for me um, and for others out there, that can be really helpful. Well,
0: I I think the word labels just makes people kind of cringe because uh, people are, I don't want to be labeled. I don't want to be labeled. But the problem is people need, as you said, a title, a word, something to grasp their mind on to be able to define it for themselves. Oh, that individual is queer, or gay, or lesbian, or trans, or cis, or whatever, you know, choose those words, because they need to be able to latch on to that, only because I think that's part of our human nature, and I don't want to call it labeling, but it unfortunately kind of falls into that realm, just because when you start trying to describe something, you know, uh, oh yeah, today I saw the the masculine-looking woman down at the store, "Eh, yeah, okay, but The term butch lesbian definitely defines that and gives a permanent picture in everybody's head. Because we've been using that term. Not that that person that you saw identifies as a butch lesbian, but in your mind you're able to describe that to yourself or a friend or your journal or whatever. And I think it's the word labels. That, or labeling, that really <laughs> throws people. But if it's just, yeah, this is the title I'm putting it under, this is the category I'm putting it under in my mind so I can understand that individual better, is where I think people uh, kind of fall into, where they need that, that, okay, so this person is genderqueer. Okay, cool. And they like the pronouns they. Okay, cool. And they're going to go by the name... I'm gonna mess up your name, mascara. Mascara. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, and so once they grab onto that, the acceptance is there, the support is there, and uh, I was at I was at a friends play, friends uh, party, and to a few people, you know, she introduced me as, yeah, this is my friend I've told you about. Meaning, you know, the genderqueer friend, the trans friend. Oh, okay. Hi, nice to meet you. I've heard a lot about you. And then the questions in their minds start to to happen. The eyes are like, okay, I want to ask, but I don't want to ask because I don't want to offend you or anything. And usually I'll say, okay, if you got a question, just ask. I'm not going to be offended. Just ask. And that door opens up. And the, the conversation starts to flow and people feel so much more comfortable. At least I sense that comfortableness around them. And usually it's only a couple questions We're like, okay, so sometimes you like to be a guy and sometimes you like to be a girl mm-hmm. uh, and you're attracted to women. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. And what do you <clears throat> want to be called? All right. And then they start talking about whatever else. The, the whole concept of gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientations done now. After, you know, six questions. Hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's an amazing, amazing feeling of they've grasped onto it however they can in their mind for that point in time, and they're moving on.
1: Yeah, it's also, um, it's like you can't, you have to have something you need to type into the internet to find what you're looking for. Oh, that um, too,
0: that too, right.
1: It's, so it's hard because, you know, it's like, all right, so I'm going to look up this thing, but I don't like labels, but I need to figure out what is it that people are talking about that does, um, relate to me or that I connect with. And then, so you have to know, you know, do I type in transgender? Do I type in genderqueer? Do I type in non-binary? You know, just knowing that there's going to need to be, um, words that need to be put in there. And that's really part of the challenge I run into with the work that I'm doing on the internet, such as, um. When I make a YouTube video or I put a post up on my Facebook page, um, this book series that I'm working on, it's just, I have to remind myself it's going to be impossible to either use all the words that I need to use or leave out words that I should leave out or not use. And so I put a lot of caveats out there about saying, you know, there's a lot of different words out there that a lot of people use for different reasons. I'm going to try to be inclusive of all of those. There's a few that I definitely... Um, don't use because it's pretty obvious for that unless – if somebody self-identifies, like you talked about in your last episode, using certain words that are um, slang and derogatory. You you know which ones to avoid for that. But other than that, there's – I don't – I haven't gotten too much – Flack, I guess, in terms of different words I use. Um, And if somebody says something, they're usually pretty nice about it and say, yeah, I've heard, you know, instead of using that, that people are starting to use this. I'm like, oh, okay, let me look into that. And I appreciate that because I can't be – you know, I can't have my finger on the pulse of everything at the same time. Um, Well, not everybody can. Yeah. And it just sort of (sighs) reflects that um, very – it's such – it's still such a new – um, area for everyone to be talking about, which like you said, that means a willingness to answer questions and, um, be okay with maybe other people having a word to use with you. I mean, you know, as long as it's, you know, not offensive or anything like that, then to know, okay, that's, that's what makes sense to them. And I'm going to go along with that and answer their questions. And then they leave walking away like, Oh, aha. I understand things better now.
0: Right, right, exactly, exactly. There was uh, one group of people that I happened to be around. It was a friendly uh, social gathering. And they had heard of, you know, the Caitlyn Jenner thing was the only transgender thing they have heard of. They kind of heard about the Orange is the New Black, but they never really watched it. They've heard of uh, uh, Transparent, but they never really watched it. So they weren't really aware of transgender. And... Essentially, I was like the first person that they've ever met. And here I am. Yeah, yes, I am. And whatever questions you have, just ask. And they they went, wow, okay, I totally understand it. There was one friend, <laughs> longtime friend uh, on Facebook, and she has since moved away from uh, from California, messaged me. Uh, because she was confused about the terms trans man, trans woman. She essentially had it backwards. She thought somebody that was born a woman and then transitioned would be a trans woman. And the same goes the other direction. Somebody born a man who transitioned would be a trans man. And I had to explain, no, no, it's opposite. (laughs) Born one way, going the other direction. And there was their Uh aha moment, as you've said. And it just, the light bulb clicked. And she, she was like, oh, okay, that makes so much more sense now. And it was a simple one one sentence answer, you know, but she it cleared up so much in her head, and being one of the only trans people she ever uh, crossed paths with, and knowing that she could talk to me, she felt so comfortable in getting that information and I think that I think that sort of question and answer uh, freedom and comfortableness uh is what we really need in the community
1: yeah, I agree there's so much um there's a lot of therapists out there who've reached out to me who would like to learn more about working with uh, trans clients. And so, I'm hoping um, probably by sometime next year to start doing more with that as well. Uh, I've been to a, fl- a lot of different colleges and I've given talks to different psychology departments and counseling departments. And it's, um, I mean, it's people who are currently in grad school and it's people who've been in practice for a long time um, who really want to be able to start learning how to work with uh, the population. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, it's um, it's been really neat to see that there's, definitely a growing interest in this
0: in the positive sense yeah 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 now in that realm because I've crossed paths with some trans people in the community here who are just so I don't know Essentially, they get their panties in a bunch. No matter what you say to them, it throws them off, whether you use the wrong pronoun accidentally, the wrong name accidentally, not calling them by their birth name, but just the wrong name. You know, instead of Sally, you say Sue, you know, something like that. And they just get so bent out of shape or their world just starts to so collapse. And I just want to say to them, hold on. (laughs) It's not the end of the world. Breathe and let's go on. And as a therapist, I'm curious what your take on that is. The people who are just, I don't want to say overly sensitive, because that's not necessarily what it is. It's just they get affected by the smallest thing and mountains out of molehills, essentially. Mm -hmm. So in your uh, practice journey, uh, crossing paths with people, uh, one, why do you think that is? And two, how do you think we can uh, make it better?
1: I think the easiest answer for why that is, um, it's really personality differences, um, just like any anybody else. There's going to be people who are um, much more open and comfortable with answering questions because that's just who they are, and um, that's who they are as a person. There's a lot of people out there who are way more private. Um, what I've noticed with a lot of... I have a wide variety of clients, different ages, different backgrounds, different personalities, and so you get somebody who um, is almost all of my clients who come out, they then have to take on this role of being, like you said, the only trans person that somebody knows in their life. It could be family member, a stranger, a colleague. And so some people, um, you know, there's probably those who are like, almost maybe even excited about that and say like, okay, like, I don't mind answering your questions. I'm proud, you know, to talk about, About myself, there's those who are in the middle who are like, "Oh, you know, okay, I get it. That's who I am. I'm going to be approached with these questions a lot. So let me go ahead and do the best I can. But I also need, you know, kind of my space and my boundaries. And there are those who are just like, "Oh my gosh, I did not ask for this. I did not ask to then now be a part of the transgender education, you know, panel of the world. And so I think again, that's that has a lot to do with. Different people's personalities. When it comes down to then, like you said, um, the a lot of the sensitivity that somebody might have about the pronouns and um, everything that comes along with it. <clears throat> Even if that somebody's personality is like that, then of course there is still room um, in counseling to work with them on that. It really has to do with whether or not they are motivated enough to make a change. If they are so miserable because they are being misgendered so often and their reaction to it then makes them more miserable, then it's really a matter of, well, you know, if you don't like this, what is it that we can do to start mitigating this a little bit? And one of the options is when can you Choose your battles? When can you say, okay, fine, that was just an honest mistake. I know you're trying to learn. When is it that it's somebody and you're like, whoa, like you are actually being kind of a jerk. And I get get to address you in a certain way that I might not address this poor person over here who's just trying to learn. And trying to separate it out that way a little bit. And it could also depend on how you're feeling that day. Um, Really just reminding people that it is going to be a lot of work sometimes to go out there. And especially if you're in your first, if you're taking hormone therapy and you're still within your first year or so, and you can then start, people start thinking not being sure if you're male or female, and then right. you get those kind of questions. It can be exhausting. Um, and so recognizing, you know, how, what is your state of mind when you're going out in public? How do you want to address any people that might come your way with um, these kind of things that usually upset you? And just kind of taking it a step at a time in that way.
0: It's, yeah, I can see how it would be just a, a personality thing because I, I take trans out of it and the trans questions and all that. Even if it's just something, you know, about a person's work or, or family or hobbies or something. Some people love to talk about it. Others hate to talk about it. So it makes sense. I mean, trans is a little more uh, personal, than a hobby, <laughs> but I can see how that would uh, uh, be similar in that sense of of, of a, just different personalities.
1: Yeah, and sometimes um, it might take time to figure that out about somebody. They might, you know, what are their boundaries? And then sometimes you don't know until it's actually crossed what your boundary is. Um, I have a client who recently. Uh, at her workplace, she was asked to be a part of like this big panel discussion about diversity. And I've noticed that's happening a lot more. Like all these workplaces are like, okay, we're going to have an LGBTQ panel or a group. And we're going to ask like that person to be on it. And so my client um, wanted to help. And she was the only uh, trans person pretty much at, at this branch of the company. And so she, she was a part of this panel and was broadcast nationally to everybody. Um, throughout, you know, the entire company. And when she came back to work, she was like, oh no, everybody's treating me different. Like she had been there for a year with her transition, no problem. Everyone just kind of minding their own business and being respectful. What changed was that people suddenly felt like they could come up and just start asking her, Personal questions oh, constantly.
0: Yeah. And yeah. while
1: she was yeah. at work, which she really tries to keep her personal and work life separate. It really makes her a good worker. And so then she has her boss kind of saying, Hey, you need to be a little bit more friendly to the to everybody when and so she was like, I gotta go see my counselor. And so we <laughs> talked it out and figured out that she needs to be able to actually take a step back from that LGBT. Um, committee and be able to kind of go back to just being herself and get grounded again and for the manager to help her by letting others know, hey, you know, let's go ahead and cut back on the questions. It's it's interfering with her work time. Here are some great links you could go to on the internet to look up more of these, this information. Um, So she didn't realize, you know, she was just like, okay, sure. I don't mind, you know, being a part of this. Um, Didn't recognize that. And it's not a bad thing. Oh, people are curious and they want to know, but she recognize this is now impacting my ability to focus and work. Um, so I think that's a lot. Um, there's probably a lot of people listening maybe who've been in that position where they're not quite sure where their comfort level is with it until they start playing around with it a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think you have to, to kind of walk the walk before you realize it may not be the path you want to walk. Because mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. There was, I, I, I came out and I knew I wanted to share my story. And I didn't know if I wanted to just do like a video or or what have you. Uh, when I came out, I said, okay, I, to avoid all the questions, I'm going to put out a video. And that way, all the information's there. Most questions are going to be answered. And then if there's more, then come to me. And and I went into into putting the podcast together that way as well. It's like, okay, this is what I was looking for years ago, even though podcasts weren't really around. I mean, they were, but they not really. So here is a resource, but it's also a chance for me to dive deeper into myself. Uh, and, that's, and I think that's why I do what, well, I call it stream of consciousness, but I just turn on the mic and go. I mean, I, I clean it in the edit, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I go and I go because... It's, for me, very therapeutic to just sit in front of the microphone looking at my outline and, well, yammering on, really.
1: Yeah, I'm a lot like you, Charlie. I I know, and again, this isn't for everybody. But I know a big part of me figuring out who I am has to do with me then putting it out there and talking about it. Um, And
0: seeing what responses come back and what questions come back to you, right? Oh, yeah. Because
1: then you're just so isolated in your own container. Um, And it can definitely be uh, vulnerable to put yourself, I'm sure you you totally can relate to that, to put yourself out there. Um, But that's one thing that I mean, even though I guess um, the counselors and therapists, you know, notoriously were known to, I guess, keep our personal selves and our personal life private and, you know, no personal questions from clients. You know, this is about you, not about me. And it took me a while to sort of find a nice balance of the two because I feel like it's such an important thing for me to include me in, you know, for instance, a counseling session, like just who I am as a person. It's hard to cut off yourself and also be there empathetically with the person.
0: Yeah, I would, I would say so. And, well, you've got such a unique story as well. I mean, in just that you shared, you know, you, you started off uh, in, in the sense of, okay, got married and had family and then, you know, realized, wait, this isn't what it is for me. And so I'm going to declare myself lesbian. And then you move forward with your life in that aspect. And then uh, it was, what, just last year you said that? You yeah, ha- so had 10, a, ten yeah. years after
1: the first coming out. And then it's sort of a resurgence and a new coming out.
0: Right, yeah. Well, for me, it was a year.
1: Right, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or
0: just over a year, yeah, and it's, and, and well, and when I came out the second time as gender gender queer, gender fluid, it, the, the the words of of a, one of the first people I met at the LGBT center, who's a facilitator there, uh, he was actually on the show. He was one of my first guests, uh, Gabriel Mason, mm. a lovely, lovely person, mm. and uh, in fact, he talks about don't get out of one box and put yourself into another. That's one of his big things, and have a checklist, but. In his, in meeting him within the first probably two groups, he said, once you come out, you continue to come out. And he made it in reference to other people. But when I came out again to myself, it was like, wait, it's not just coming out to other people. It's coming out to yourself again and again and, and accepting yourself again and again and understanding that yes this is the path and then oh wait i'm going to take another veer on this path and go down some other place and and then wherever that goes and leads you'll never know and to me regardless of any trans issues or lgbt it, everybody has that same self-discovery journey and i think a lot of people are afraid of it
1: yeah, I am a huge proponent of the self-discovery journey. Um, I love Carl Jung and Joseph Campbell, and I try to use that hero's journey and the archetypes with clients as much as I can. In fact, the the book series that I'm working on, I really hit that because I think everybody can relate to that. You know, Almost everybody has a movie or a book or a TV show a story, you know, that they love, not to mention probably many stories. And there could be certain themes they enjoy. And so really getting to ask people, which kind of characters do you like the best? Which ones can you relate to? And then, you know, what are the challenges they run into? How do they get out of those challenges? You know, have they turned to a wise person? Have they turned to a support team? Who's on their support team? Where do they get their information from? Um, I try to use that as much as I can with my... Um, the information I create and with my clients because it's so relatable and to see your own life as a journey, um, then you know, oh, okay, this is normal. This is normal that I feel scared right now. This is normal that um, the monsters have come out now and trying to you know foil me like it just right. to know ahead of time like uh, okay that's going to happen it's not going to be easy but here's what I can do here are my weapons and here are my, my support team and my sidekick to know and use all that in real life um, I think is a metaphor that can really work with a lot of people
0: yes absolutely absolutely <laughs> Uh, And we're going to leave it right there for this episode. We're going to kind of pause the uh, conversation for a week, and we'll be back next week with the rest of my conversation with Dara Hoffman Fox. And there's the closing music. Wow, we made it. We're here. (laughs) Yeah, we're here. And like I said, next episode is going to be the second part of this conversation, of course. Of course, can't leave you hanging for that long. So you just got to wait six, seven days. Or, you know, if you're listening to this on the Thursday before the next episode drops, you only got to wait like 24 hours. (laughs) However you're listening, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Now, I'm always looking for topics. I'm always looking for guests. So get in touch with me changes in latitudes podcast at gmail.com or probably you know the facebook page is probably the best way to get in touch with me because uh, it's just easier than email i don't check email as frequently as i do plus the app tells me that i have a message waiting when uh, when i'm looking at my facebook so check us out there And now, as Jimmy Buffett says, if I couldn't laugh, I just would go insane. If we couldn't laugh, we just would go insane. And if we weren't all crazy, we would go insane. So stay crazy, everyone. Catch you next week. To Changes in Latitudes, a transgender experience. I'd love to hear from you. So let me know what you think or what you'd like to hear about by emailing me at in Latitudes Podcast at gmail.com. Or by leaving a comment on the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Changes in Latitudes Podcast. Or at the website changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com Podcast.blogspot.com. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and please leave us reviews and star ratings. Now wait for it. Here it comes. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer time. I am not a doctor nor a lawyer and I certainly do not pretend to be one. I am a trans woman who began her transition later in life. I am here to discuss my life so I take no responsibility for your decisions based on my personal thoughts and experiences. If you are thinking about transition or are questioning your gender identity, first, please know that you are not alone in your thoughts and questions. Second, please seek the advice of a qualified gender therapist or at the very least a local support group. If you're having difficulty finding a qualified professional in your area, I suggest reaching out to the closest LGBT center near you. And lastly, please remember, always question the source when researching information on the Internet. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permission from the host. Copyright 2015 by me, Sabrina Miller. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Thank you for listening, and please remember...